Welcome to the Digitally Native podcast, a podcast that explores what it means to be digital and to live digital lives. I'm your host, Fungai, and together we will explore a range of topics and trends around digital and social media and digital innovation. So grab a drink, buckle up, and let's get right into it. Hello and welcome to another podcast episode. I hope that January is treating you well if you're listening to this in January of 2024. If not, I hope that whatever month you're in is treating you kindly and that the new year is filled with lots of ease and free flowing of all kinds of things to you. Um, today, I am joined again by Mark Kaigua for a second part to our conversation, which we began late last year. In the first part of that conversation, we focused a little bit more about um, on the dynamics that had led to the rise in Kenya as an important digital player on the African continent. Um, and so that was a fascinating historical account of the different factors that led to uh, Kenyans digital rise and Kenyans on Twitter and other platforms and communities of practice. Today we focus a little bit more on the generational shifts of digitality in the Kenyan landscape. Um, Mark and I are millennials and it's very interesting as millennials now to be looking at what's happening with younger generations. We were you know the young ones for a long time and now we have Gen Z the younger group behind um, and, you know, all these fascinating things that we're starting to see and witness and how people experience Gen Z and engage with their content production. So this is um, the heart of the conversation that we have today, but, you know, also a lot more um, rich content and exchange in the episode as well, which I'm sure you'll find very interesting. So I will leave it at that and um, I'll catch you on the other side. You mentioned threads, which is an interesting, you know, I mean, people are still trying to see if that's an alternative for, for Twitter. But then, like you said, a lot of uh, KOT comes out of the blogging culture. These bloggers who had massive, massive audiences who could drive conversations and get people either for or against whatever they had to say and bringing in that KOT collectivity. And, I, you know, I've been asking myself as well, well, you know, you have Black Twitter. That's a massive community as well. To restart a community on another platform, I mean, it's a different platform and it's just it's just a different way of engaging, even if it mimics the previous platform. So even if there was this movement of KOT to Kenyans on threads, do you see it having the same potency that it has had on Twitter? No, absolutely not. I mean, I, I jumped on the threads almost immediately after it came. I got very curious with how it would work. I think a number of people jumped on board too, just to see. I think that anywhere that people can amass audiences is going to create some curiosity. I actually think, and I've been talking a lot more about TikTok, a lot of my talks and my keynotes, uh, speeches, and even writings have revolved around how TikTok for me has been an absolute game changer and is for me, I mean, even if TikTok stopped today, the effects are so yeah. outsized and the magnitude is big. And, and I think that that for me is more refreshing because one of the, the, the talks I've been giving now is about underappreciated, underestimated and underrepresented creators. These are rural content creators. We're mm -hmm. talking in the middle of nowhere with that smartphone, I have, I have decent internet or mobile connection and just the curiosity to participate, right? Um, and, and from them, there's, there's emerging a new class of creator with 
hundreds of thousands, if not millions of views on TikTok. Yeah. Having, having not had any opportunity to replicate or do any of the same thing anywhere else. And so it, they're not just here. It was housewives in India before they banned TikTok becoming almost like megastars. Farmers mm-hmm. in China mm-hmm. on Douyin, which is the TikTok equivalent. They're, you know, making hundreds of thousands of dollars with streaming. And so you come here and it's happening and it's being grossly underreported, underappreciated. And many people are doing it out of their, their creatures of habit, right? So you and me might open our Twitter mainly, right? We might go back to Facebook. But Facebook is 19 years old this year. The, mm-hmm. the number one song on the radio in 2004 when, when Facebook was starting was Yeah by Usher. And uh, there's a lot of people right now who... That's who, just 45 you know, like, now. <laughs> there you go. So to your point, it's like, I, I think this for me is why even Threads itself, trying to become this Twitter clone. I actually, uh, when we, we uh, in February of this year, we, we had one of our trends was that, the, we, so we, I mean, this is what Nando does. We're always trying to predict the future. So we predicted Twitter had one of three options it had become a zombie of its former self, which is what it's the current path it's on. We didn't have anything Mm -hmm. to go on, I should say, at this point. So sometimes the thing when you talk about a trend you predicted is that it sounds like you're just stating the obvious, but I mean, I would encourage people to, you know, check out what we published. And uh, thankfully we had a hotel full of 50 plus people and presented all of this. And so when they do come through, I'm always like, ha, there was real people (laughs) in the real places, not just uh, what what I have to say. But but one of them was the zombification. The other was it dying. The third one was it sort of rising up like a phoenix and becoming old Twitter again. This we mm. speculated might never happen. Uh, the zombification, I mean, we had some some ideas, but we didn't know to what degree it would go. We had some speculation there. Uh, and some of it's been proven right with the rebrands, with a few other things that have happened. But the question we asked if it was to die was who would gain the most. Mm. And so for us, it was places like Reddit. And we've seen Reddit grow in its impact and influence in Kenya, because we're mm. not like Nigeria who have nairaland.com, which mm. is a website that's essentially the, the, the Nigerian equivalent to Reddit in it as a message board. We're not like Tanzania next door who have Jamie forums. So we don't have that, that space. Like Reddit calls itself the front page of the internet. And I think there's a lot of value to that. Plus Twitter would play that role, perhaps in Zimbabwe as well. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think that that's why we would feel a bit of the pinch if Twitter was to disappear. But there's some trending topics and ways that I think TikTok as well would benefit a lot um, mm. in, in how it presents itself. So I think for me, Threads, I don't rate it that highly. I think it was, I think it was, I think it's a smart move. Uh, Facebook mm. and, and Meta can afford to keep it around for years to come. And if Twitter completely falls apart on itself, then then truthfully, Threads would be one of the places that potentially benefits. But it, it's certainly not competing with Twitter in any way in terms of breaking news or culture or politics or sport or just any of the other things you'd expect. It's it's nowhere close to, to Twitter where people might be grinning their teeth and bearing it, being upset mm-hmm. and being on Twitter and not liking it. But they're going to be there. Somehow we, we can't afford to be on the Titanic as it sinks, even though we're all uh, a bit irritated at how it's going. Oh, and I think this is another thing generationally. I mean, I there's two camps. You know, some people feel like, oh, so younger people, they spend their time on TikTok doing dance trends or whatever it is. They're not political. We were actually fighting for something. So, you know, people might even say, well, when we were on Twitter, we were actually mobilizing. We were 
defending our sovereignty or whatever people may feel about this more collective space. And then you have these people who show up, you know, one of the biggest outliers, Elsa Majimbo. I mean, how do you start recording yourself during a pandemic and just doing sarcastic content and yeah. end up in the US, you know, as, as an influencer? Like that is just one of those big outlier experiences. But, you know, some people say, oh, but then that, that's great, but what does that bring for the collective? Because that's an individual and these are individuals who are influencers, you know, whereas some people may say, even if these people who were these, um, you know, they, they cause conflict in the community, but still they raise conversations that brought us together and had us having a conversation about our identity, et cetera, or our differences. What is your, what is your view on that? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that for me, I find that there's political TikTok. It just might not be, you know, what's happening for you. I mean, this flag in Zimbabwe, for me, if that were to happen on TikTok, I think it'd be electric. You know, if it was sort of like to happen today in air quotes. I think that for me, I had TikTok open just as much as I did Twitter on the day of the election here. And I probably mm-hmm. found the more engaging material on uh, on on TikTok as it so happens on election day, um, I guess a year ago. Yeah. So, So for me, I actually feel like there are broad generational clashes that are happening. I'll give an example. In Kenya, there were um, there was a hashtag called Ifikia Wazazi, which translates in Swahili to let it reach the parents or let the parents know. And it was essentially millennials and Gen Y telling on Gen Z for, you know, suggestively and provocatively dancing while in school uniform, drinking while in school uniform, smoking while in school uniform. And we're not here to judge those, those activities. It's mm-hmm. the idea that, well, these activities happened just a generation ago, for one. <laughs> they just put no smartphones. <laughs> and, and there's this now idea that like Gen Y is going to tattletale and say, hey, I'm going to start this hashtag and I want all parents to know. And so because it's parents of, who are just a little older than them, that's why these yeah. sort of teenagers, high schoolers, et cetera, are there. And so even as you mirror that towards aspects like politics or culture, et cetera, that clash still takes place where, you know, for younger people, there's that expression they have, they might not feel as connected to politics or a bit more disillusioned. And this is globally with Gen Z. And I'll save my conversation for another time why I don't believe that it's it's in any way constructive for Africans to segment our societies by baby boomers, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z. It just doesn't work. I feel like it'd be better served to look at uh, things such as, uh, at least in a place like Kenya, where I've, I've given, a, I think I gave a TED talk on this, like a TEDx talk, I should say, maybe 10 years ago. And you'd rather look at which president somebody came of age under because there was liberal like liberalisms happening there. And you will find that's a far better way to understand authority and and leadership and and submissiveness and respect for your, your peers and elders versus mm-hmm. comedy and, and, and humor. And then they tie in well also, but with but Gen Z, Gen Y, I find that we're we're cribbing so much. And because the West is such a, a net exporter of these cultural ideas. We're adopting them. And then I find people mischaracterizing, oh, that Gen Z person, they're lazy and they're entitled and they're like, you know, fatigued and not engaged with politics. Then I say, excuse me, I will bring you somebody the same age who grew up in the rural areas. Mm -hmm. They're going to break everything you're going to say apart. Because now when you start to say, look, I'm going to take a rural 
Zimbabwean versus an urban one. I'm going to take one who grew up in South Africa the last 10 years versus somebody who grew up in Harare. We're going to see it, all, all the Gen Y, Gen Z stuff fall apart, right? Because we'll find somebody young who is working their fingers to the bone. And so they put all to shame, all these concepts of, uh, of oh, but this generation is lazy or this generation is entitled. I don't think it's it's helpful. Sorry, I went on that like, uh, I said I wouldn't, <laughs> then I went down that little rabbit hole. But to your That's point on I'm politics, <laughs> I think, I think um, that concept that we were fighting for something and you weren't is exactly the generational clash that's happening because I suspect if, if my team and I, and we've been doing this, um, this type of research in more countries, looking to TikTok specifically, where it's a bit more labor intensive, you have to, you have to, you know, we, at Nendo, one of the things we do is social media listening. And so we come up with what are called Boolean queries. These are research queries that have hundreds of keywords to create a big catchment area, hopefully to get hundreds of thousands or millions of mentions of topics. On somewhere like TikTok, you can't just come in like that. You have to, you have to genuinely have, you know, sometimes six people, a dozen, all get on, explore different branches of the, of the tree and sort of let the algorithm also do its thing. And with that, you discover that, yes, if you are politically inclined, uh, TikTok is probably serving you certain creators, some from the diaspora, some from elsewhere, different to say what Twitter would have done. But they have, they have validity in the struggle. They have validity in self-expression. They have validity. If anything, the Twitter guys are arguing, but all they had to do was type some words and hit send. The TikTok guys are saying, I've got to show my face. I've got, got to put my voice. I have to script a mini narrative here that's going to reach a lot of people and has to be cinematically sound and as aesthetic to the, you know, to the ears. And so there's yeah. literally a whole aspect there that, that gets underestimated or underrated. And, and, and yeah. I see this happening a lot. So I, I agree with you that there's that lack of understanding, but also agreeing that there's big differences, but shared, a shared understanding, at least as far as change but different mm. ways of going about it, which happens generationally quite often. Mm. And we saw that as well with the Nigerian elections, their use of TikTok. TikTokers, you know, makeup, um, people doing makeup, but then they bring in a politics angle or, you know, this humor and all that. And I think people really underplay the ability to talk about something that's very dry and inaccessible, to bring it into a space that's entertainment oriented and to make it engaging. We tend to underplay that and we think, oh, the kids are just, you know, they're doing whatever they're doing. But then going back to this, the split that we talked about with, um, this will be my final question to you, the split between millennials and Gen Z. So now you've thrown a spanner in the works about, you know, these categorizations, but I'll just use millennials from my perspective. Um, to say, you know, as millennials, we were the the babies of the internet. We were we kind of grew up on the internet. And, you know, I think people thought, oh, well, you know, you'll have more liberal ideas about the internet and the shifts that it's going through. But then you see this kind of now it's millennials talking to Gen Z like, oh, but you don't do anything with the internet. And it's a very interesting thing because I don't think we've had a generation previously. Well, anyone who's older than a millennial cannot really claim to have you know, really grown up on the internet, but you're seeing the same things that would perpetuate in an offline space of people now saying, but now, nah, and you just use it for TikTok. What is that anyway? What, what do you feel about that? No, I mean, I think this, this is the funny thing with technology is that every generation can say that to some degree about the next generation. That's how you know you're getting old on the internet, mm-hmm. right? Um, bloggers would look at Twitter people and say, you simpletons, right? 
You guys can only write 140 characters worth of things. You're so basic. How do you get any meaningful thought out of your minds, right? You guys are doing nothing but, but you know, like you're eating French fries and sweet drinks all the time. Can't so much as stomach a book or, or actually finish something, right? Um, and then, you know, you have... About bloggers and say, you don't know what it's like to be in the newsroom and work on a news cycle. Exactly, <laughs> right? So journalists punch down to bloggers, bloggers punch down to Twitter, right? And now, you know, to some degree, Twitter or, or older, you know, internet users punch down on like the next generation. So it does, it does happen. Um, and so I think there's, there's been something to that in that, in that the, the rules are changing. I remember when Vine was there before TikTok and, you know, people were like, oh my goodness, like seven seconds, what are you, a goldfish? Like, like can, <laughs> you, can you not concentrate on any, anything? I have a long form YouTube essay and you guys won't get anywhere near <laughs> close to finishing it. So, I, you know, it's, there's, there's that. And, and for me, um, uh, Faris Jacob, the author of Paid Attention, does a really great job of debunking a lot of this concept that, our attention spans are shifting. Um, I don't think it's true for older than us, uh, us uh, younger than us, or significant younger than us. I think people, as another sort of internet legend, Clay Shaki says, are getting very good at um, at economizing their attention. Um, and so, so that's why they're making willful choices. Um, and, and to be fair, there's some aspect of, you know, dopamine and, and, and you know, sort of, neurochemical changes but but uh, but the fact that someone can sit through a movie for two hours in a cinema yep don't tell me that we got seven second attention spans and the fact that people can play an 80 hour long video game you know like over the course of three to four weeks right after work Mm -hmm. don't tell me the way that our attention spans are waning right the fact that people Mm -hmm. can spot someone in you know on a pc that shooting game you know on the distance with a glint of their snipe i mean i'll find so many examples to this series in like one weekend there you go and so and so this idea is somewhat it's a it's a trope and a lot of social media people say social media is changing look us attention seconds was you know it's now seven seconds is three seconds i think that's you know like grossly inaccurate uh we give our attention to things that we feel are worth uh that attention um and so back to your 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 i think the core of your question the the thing with with the present time for me is that uh one of the most helpful ways for us to look at the internet is, you know, for me, the, that it's, it's, it's a mirror of society and also in its own way, it's a mirror of the fringes, the margins. In fact, for me, with uh, what you said about TikTok and beauty, I literally said those exact same words. I was giving a talk on Friday at the coast to a room with about 100 marketers. And I said, you know, to the gentlemen who might be misled that when they see a lady applying makeup that they're just going to scroll, I said, just give it a few seconds, eh? Like, you might find that you're hearing relationship, financial, business, life, motivational, like you hear this advice and you, you sit there going like, <laughs> you know, uh, that, that that's, that's, that's really just, you give you pause in a way of saying, so, so, so coming back to it, we, we can so quickly mischaracterize what's happening now. The most fulfilling part for me, I would say is that I feel a lot of people, particularly the younger generations are more curious and more inquisitive and more open to trying and creating in their own right. It's why, for example, a number of children and taught, you know, so children, let's call them, you know, from, from mid teens to, to preteen, when you ask them what they want to be nowadays, it's, 
you know, a YouTuber is every year is rising higher and higher as an idea of, of I don't want to do university. I want to, I want to mm. be a content creator or a streamer. Even in places like Africa, as much as people will talk about other careers, it's the fact that that is somewhat there. In our generation, mm. you might find that, that there was, um, there's a big bunch of people who are lurkers, just perpetual lurkers, or they are, and that just means they just look and leave, right? They, they don't, you know, they like comment, but they're not, they're not creating actively and they're not publishing regularly or they used to, and then they dropped off, et cetera. And they're in their own heads about whether they publish or not. Um, but, but with the current generations, they'll try it. And, and, but the, the, the catch is they want everything to disappear after 24 hours in the, to the degree that your Snapchats, your Instagram stories, your um, WhatsApp status and so on will do that. But there's, there, there is that openness towards creating more and more regularly because that just might be my meal ticket. That just might be my, 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 my ability to make a play off of either notoriety and infamy, and then I flip that to something greater, or off of something positive and uplifting, even though that's really sort of the, the, the way it's, it's the extremes and the margins. Um, um, I mean, I'm, I'm reminded of, of, um, of this couple in Kenya, and, and I, I don't get me, we don't have time for the bizarre parts of like TikTok across Africa because there's so much I could say, but, but there's this, this couple in Kenya who stream themselves sleeping. Hmm. Nothing like, you know, everything is safe for work. So nothing like, um, um, you know, nothing untoward. They basically have a lights on everywhere. So because they're pretty well lit, it isn't like they're sleeping in the dark. Eh? Um, mm-hmm. And they just, they just sleep and they do crazy numbers. Now, TikTok Live was banned in Kenya for a number of reasons that might take us a while to get into and we oh. can judge the merits or demerits of it. But it was mm-hmm. uh, a conversation between Kenya's president and the head of the CEO of TikTok. Now, even if it's back, there'll be some aspects of moderation. Um, and some of those are well-meaning in terms of protecting minors. There was a number of things happening after dark that that if you were to argue on the basis of should minors be exposed to this on TikTok, there's a case to answer. And because TikTok didn't have uh, some safeguards or the same content moderation approaches, it was sort of fair game. So, But coming back to the, the, the core question, the, the internet here has these extremes, these margins, they're coming up. But younger people, in my view, are creating more and a bit more willing to create than, say, previous generations, which were 1% creating a fungi, a mark, others who publish, who think, who create these personas around our thinking and our work. And then you have, you know, a 9%. This is from the Wikipedia rule of 1990, uh, 1991, 1990, sorry, which is 1% are creators, 9% comment, like, share, and contribute, remix, you know, do mm-hmm. a little bit but mainly just interact lightly. And then 90% are just lurkers. I think that's flipped a little bit with the current generation uh, because mm-hmm. I think they're a little bit more open uh, because they don't mind just seeing if this becomes my, my ticket out. And TikTok is the best place to see this because there you find that rural Peria, but people, some of them are making head waves, right? Like there's a gentleman who's a shopkeeper about maybe two and a half hours away from the capital and that man can show you how to plan. That's this has become his whole his whole thing on TikTok. He would help people plan. Um, so he's a shopkeeper. So literally, he's selling flour and toilet paper and all sorts of just everyday essentials in a tiny shop, but with his smartphone and his big tooth grin and his curious charm, uh, speaking often in Sheng, mm. the the Kenyan swan, uh, slang. He can talk how you can plan an income of of one dollar, right, or a day, or and mm. and still 
have fun, still enjoy yourself, still have a couple snacks, still have a drink. And, and he says that as somebody who's materially, you know, interacting with people at, you know, all walks of life, you know, and all sorts of income levels. But, but he picked up and, and built this name as somebody yeah. who he doesn't tick the boxes. He's not in the capital, right? Yeah. He's a shopkeeper. So he's, you know, no ring light, no makeup, no, no big, you know, setup. He's not a typical content creator. And yet, for him, just that little time in front of his phone, he's gone on to turn that into, you know, north of 3 million likes on TikTok, 131,000 people. And if you look at just, I think his last um, maybe 25 videos, collectively, there'll be north of maybe 800,000 views between them. Just saying that like TikTok is working differently. I showed the audience last week, somebody doing 40 million views in the last three weeks. And only one or two people in the room had even heard of this lady. And I was like, See, that's the problem. <laughs> we are what, you know, there's a whole seismic shift happening. And sometimes what we're doing is bickering and, and somewhat uh, punching down at, at, mm-hmm. at people for what we don't understand as well. And yet they are doing stuff that, that I was like, there are no musical artists right now doing numbers like that in that period of time. And here's this young lady just, you know, I was even saying she should probably get paid per view because if the brand she was working with paid her that way, Honestly, she would make some serious money. So I was like, she's grossly underpaid. But none of the marketers in the room had heard of her. Wow. And there's, I mean, just as you said that there's a lady who cooks for her husband, I think, and very simple meals, but... She was in my, she was in my talk as well. That's right. Ah, Is this the Kenya lady, Sue? Yeah. Yeah. Who had a collaboration with the other chef recently, I think. That's right. That's Um, right. But you know, and you're like you're tapped in. You you you're like oh, you you got your finger on the pulse. I, I love follow. it. I know what's going on. I really do follow. And I mean, it's it's that like she's she she's just you know skinning or not. What do you do with a chicken? You take off the feathers, put in hot water. You know, and it's it's nothing. You know, she's not doing anything particularly five star. She's just cooking meals for her husband, and she has so many follows. And people really got excited about this collaboration with is it is he Ombacha? I can't remember his name. Yes, yes, Dennis Ombachi. That's right. Yeah, Ombachi, and and you know, so it's like oh, now you have these really interesting sort of subcultures emerging around food and cuisine, and you know, this is two different styles. But also, I mean, just very interesting to see them collaborate and this kind of thing. But people, I, I don't know why people don't see that as as community or communality or, of, you know, things that are actually shifting as well in those ways. But I'll say something even quickly just on that. For me, what I find more fascinating, uh, because um, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a firm, some of what we've been looking into is online gender-based violence or technology facilitated gender-based violence, which is, you know, there's, there's a lot in there from uh, doxing to cyber stalking to cyber harassment, cyber bullying, um, sextortion, et cetera. There's, there's all these new ways that people are, are being, um, you know, all these harms are taking place against women. And, and for me, sometimes with female content creators, you'd be surprised what gets people riled up I mean, what I what I find fascinating about Sue in her positivity in her content is some of the conversations you find people are having on marriage, on roles, on the family, on you know, on so much. And and it can be, you know, it can be heavy. You know, some of the people who would say pretty harsh, um, nasty and 
you know, undeserving things to a creator who's, you know, putting their heart and soul into things and just looking to make a really great meal and, and tell and, and do some storytelling with it. But broadly, there is that part of the internet too that that is for me a bit, you know, of a concern in terms of, you know, this more radical side and these conversations, some of which are progressive and some of which are like, you know, very, very antiquated on, on, on gender, on roles. And, 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 and for me, what I love is just this lady's positivity because occasionally she's come on the, the headline and I think she just made, I hope she ignores it, you know, but, but it's, that's the type of stuff I'll also try to pick out on the margins to see how many people are sort of getting in her uh, space with, with ideas like that. Hmm, very interesting. I mean, there's so many dynamics. And I mean, I think you and I could keep talking forever. <laughs> so um, in conclusion, are there any final thoughts you have? I mean, we started with Kenyans on Twitter, but we sort of went into the broader digital terrain. Any final thoughts about Kenyans on Twitter or any final and and then any final thoughts about Kenya's digital culture? Yeah, I think what's always fascinating to me is to to um to just zoom out and to consider the idea of just asking what's really happening, right? Like I think um, the continent broadly, you look at youth, you look at military and coups in West Africa, you look at there's so many of these larger questions on Africa's youngest continent taking place. And I don't think we have easy answers by any stretch, but I feel like cyberspace is such an interesting melting pot and spot to observe. So, I mean, my encouragement to any listeners of the podcast is to, you know, this might sound like Kenya or Kenya specific or Kenya only, and you're certainly understanding and we've said Kenya a lot, but, but at the heart of it is Zimbabwe, South Africa. I mean, even for a number of different uh, trends that Nendo would do, um, we've seen many of them, become part of what we call like mental models for understanding the internet, as opposed to like a trend from 2018, right? Uh, and so it's it's great to just be observant and just ask questions. I find that that's some of the most helpful uh, approaches towards internet use, you know, and the question can be, why do I keep getting this in my feed? <laughs> or it can be, um, you know, this is different. Let me go down this rabbit hole. Or I'm feeling a certain way about this type of content. Why would that be, right? And um, and then just having these discussions and questioning ourselves uh, because, it, you know, we've always asked in some ways and said, okay, um, you know, what's that mirror of society in our countries? What's that mirror of the current time and place and zeitgeist or just the, the state of mind of our generation? And the internet presents us with that. I know it's something that energizes my, my team and I at Nendo so much to look to different languages, different countries, Context across Africa and ask, mm-hmm. do Nendo's ideas hold up here? Um, and mm-hmm. having worked across 20 countries and published, you know, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of words of, of these trends, it's been exciting to to watch. And, and I feel like we're just getting started. So I think for me, it's if anybody's interested to connect off of research or marketing or, you know, comms work, uh, my team and I, you know, this is not even like the job. This is just something we are so intensely passionate about. We can't help but but put this type of uh, stuff together, especially like our trends. So always happy to 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 be of service and to to be called upon to share ideas. And yeah, I really admire and appreciate the type of platform you're building with your community and your podcast. So really happy to be here. Thank you so much, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Please do share the context of how people can get in touch with Nendo. Um, just in conclusion. Yeah, so uh, I'm Mark Kaipo, and probably the best place to connect with me is probably 
I want to say LinkedIn. I think like Twitter, like professionally LinkedIn, you know, Twitter just for banter. And I haven't been updating my Twitter as much, I think, of late, but I do bring um, things that we've been doing. So uh, M Kaigua, my first name, you know, M, you know, and then K-A-I-G-W-A. For Nendo and our reports and insights, I encourage anyone listening to try them out and see them. And please don't, don't be shy to go back in time. Sometimes people are like, I want the latest one. And I'm like, have you checked out the 2018 one? No, that's old. And I'm like, you know, there's like some timeless stuff in there. Like that, that's actually maturing now. It was predicted a bit earlier than expected. So that's N-E-N-D-O, nendo.co.ke. So nendo.co.ke. And uh, if you look in the top right on a computer or just for the resources tab, there's all sorts of reports you can download. And then Nendo on all platforms is Nendo254. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, your uh, platform of choice. We need to do more on, on TikTok. We have an account now, but we haven't uh, we haven't started like doing as much as I would like. And um, yeah, I think we're excited to just see what, what awaits uh, Africa cyberspace. Well, sure. Thank you so much, Mark. This has been so great. Thank you for having me. All right, that's a wrap for another episode. I hope that you found that informative and engaging. And if you have anything to add or contribute, as always, please feel free to get in touch via Twitter. The Twitter account is at Native Podcast. Um, I've appreciated seeing some people mentioning the podcast and what they've learned from different episodes. So if there's anything you get out of this episode or any other episode, please feel free to mention at Native Podcast in your tweets. Um, also, if you'd like to send a more personal message, please feel free to get in touch via email. The email address is info at digitallynativepodcast.com. All right, that's a wrap for today, and I'll catch you again next week. Take care until then. <music>